Section 17 of A History of Our Own Times, Volume 4 by Justin McCarthy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 54 Trades Unions, Part 2. There can be no doubt that some insincere and unprincipled persons did occasionally attach themselves to the trades organizations such men professed to adopt a principle in order to get money and applause they did exactly as men do in a higher social class who professed to adopt a principle in order to get into parliament and then into office but on the whole the leaders of the trades organizations appear to have been men of sincere purpose and of good character the officers of many of the societies worked for very small pay for no more in fact than they could have got by their ordinary labor it is also we believe a fact that taken on the whole the men in the organizations represented a much better class of workmen than those who held aloof from them the numbers of men registered on the books of the trades unions did not by any means represent the actual number who sympathized with unionism much of the business of a trades union was simply that of an ordinary benefit society strikes were not always going on the funds of the union were not often being voted to assist some mutinous brothers by far the greater part of the occupation of a trades union was like that of the odd fellows or some other benefit association a great many working men a considerable proportion indeed of the working population were members of some friendly society and had been so perhaps from their first starting into life such men did not always care to give up the society to which they had been long attached for the purpose of joining a trades union which was usually only performing just the same functions therefore one mistake very commonly made by those who entered into the controversy was to count the mere numbers on the books of the trades unions and assumed that these represented the whole strength of the movement. The numbers would have been great, and ought to have been significant in any case, but great as they were, they by no means fairly illustrated the strength of the hold which the principle of the trades organization had got upon the working classes. That sort of public opinion of which we have already spoken, well satisfied in its mind as to most things, was for many years particularly well satisfied about strikes. We can find its views expressed in every tone. Solemn disquisition and light comedy alike gave them form. Parliament, the pulpit, the press, the stage, philosophy, fiction, all were for a long time in combination to give forth one pronouncement on the subject. A strike was something always wicked and foolish, abstractly wicked foolish to the fundamental depths of its theory all i have to say a benevolent nobleman called out to a meeting of working men is never strike that was his sincere advice whatever happens never strike if you strike you must be doing wrong to engage in a strike was according to his view like engaging in a conspiracy to murder such was long the opinion of almost all above the social level of the workman himself a strike was in their view an offence against all social laws to be reprobated by every good man 
it was not looked upon as a rough last resource to get at a decision in a controversy not otherwise to be settled but simply as a crime it was assumed as an axiom in political economy that a strike must be a wrong thing because it wasted time and money and could not in any way increase the wages fund of the country the wages fund was flung at the head of the erring artisan as a phrase to settle the whole question for him and show him what a foolish man he was not to take any terms offered him undoubtedly a strike is under any circumstances the cause of the throwing away of time and money but so too is a lawsuit there can be no civil cause in which it would not have saved time and money if the parties could have come to a reasonable agreement among themselves and avoided any appeal to the court prudent men do very often put up with a considerable loss rather than waste their time spend their money and sour their temper in a court of law but it would be in vain to tell the meekest or the dullest man that he has no right to appeal to a civil court to enforce any claim this was however practically the sermon which english public opinion kept preaching to the working man for generations he had often no way of asserting his claims effectively except by the instrumentality of a strike a court of law could do nothing for him if he thought his wages ought to be raised or ought not to be lowered a court of law could not assist him once it would have compelled him to take what was offered and work for it or go to prison now in better times it would offer him no protection against the most arbitrary conduct on the part of an employer he was admonished that he must not attempt by any combination to fix the price of labour yet he knew very well that in many trades the masters did by association among themselves fix the price of labour he knew that there were associations of employers which held meetings at regular periods for the purpose of agreeing among themselves as to the wages they would pay to their workmen he failed to see why he and his fellows should not come to a common resolution as to wages they would accept the argument drawn from the wages fund did not affect him greatly he reasoned the matter out in a rough and ready way of his own he saw that the employer was making a great deal of money in the year and that he and his fellows had very small wages it seemed to him that the master ought to be content with a smaller amount of profit and give his workmen a larger weekly rate of pay that may not have been very sound political economy but even as a thesis of political economy it was not to be got rid of by the familiar way of putting the argument about the wages fund as regarded the right of combination he saw that other men in other occupations did combine and did have rules of their own and in fact trades unions of their own what he asked is the bar but a trades union is not a man prohibited from competing with his fellows by taking a rate of pay lower than the minimum fixed by the association is he not refused permission to practice at all if he will not conform to the rules of the lawyers union what is the medical profession but a trades union what the stock exchange in spite of law in spite of public opinion 
the trades unions went on and prospered some of them grew to be great organizations disposing of vast funds several fought out against employers long battles that were almost like a social civil war sometimes they were defeated sometimes they were victorious sometimes they got at least so far that each side could claim the victory and wrangle once more historically over the point many individual societies were badly managed and went to pieces some were made the victims of swindlers just like other institutions among other classes some were brought into difficulties simply because of the childlike ignorance of the most elementary principles of political economy with which they were conducted still the trades union taken as a whole became stronger and stronger every day it became part of the social life of the working classes at last it began to find public opinion giving way before it some eminent men of whom mr mill was the greatest had long been endeavouring to get the world to recognise the fact that a strike is not a thing which can be called good or bad until we know its object and its history that the men who strike may be sometimes right and that they have sometimes been successful but as usual in this country and as another evidence doubtless of what is commonly called the practical character of englishmen the right of the trades unions to existence and to social recognition was chiefly impressed upon the public mind by the strength of the organization itself the processions of the trades unions during the reform agitation had startled many alarmists and set many indolent minds thinking this vast organization had apparently sprung out of the ground every influence legal social and political had been against it the press had condemned it the pulpit had denounced it parliament had passed no end of laws against it good men mourned over it wise men shook their heads at it and yet there it was stronger than ever many men came at once to the frankly admitted conclusion that there must be some principles economic as well as others to justify the existence and growth of so remarkable an institution the sheffield outrages even while they horrified every one yet made most persons begin to feel that the time had come when there must not be left in the mouth of the worst and most worthless member of a trades union any excuse for saying any longer that the law was unjust to him and to his class a course of legislation was then begun which was not made complete for several years after we may however anticipate here the measures which passed in eighteen seventy five and show how at length the fair claims of the unions were recognized the masters and workmen were placed on absolute equality as regarded the matter of contract they had been thus equal for many years in other countries in france germany and italy for example a breach of contract resulting in damages was to be treated on either side as giving rise to a civil and not a criminal remedy there was to be no imprisonment except as it is ordered in other cases by a county court judge that is a man may be committed to prison who has been ordered to pay a certain sum and out of contumacy will not pay it although payment is shown to be within his power 
no combination of persons is to be deemed criminal if the act proposed to be done would not be criminal when done by one person several breaches of contract were however very properly made the subject of special legislation if for example a man wilfully and maliciously broke his contract of service to a gas or water company knowing that by doing so he might cause great public injury he might be imprisoned this is perfectly reasonable a man employed to watch a line of railway who wilfully broke his contract of service and ran away at a time when his sudden absence might cause the destruction of a coming train would hardly be punished adequately by a civil process and an order to pay a fine on the other hand it should be said that the person hiring could be imprisoned for breach of contract as well as the person hired if his breach of contract involved serious injury or even serious danger to life or property imprisonment too might be inflicted on any person who used either violence or intimidation to compel others to act with him it was made strictly unlawful and punishable by imprisonment to hide or injure the tools of a workman in order to prevent them from doing their work or to beset workmen in order to prevent them from getting to their place of business or to intimidate them into keeping away from it in principle this legislation accomplished all that any reasonable advocate of the claims of the trades unions could have demanded it put the masters and the workmen on an equality it recognized the right of combination for every purpose which is not itself actually contrary to law it settled the fact that the right of a combination is just the same as the right of an individual the law had long conceded to any one man the right to say for himself that he would not work for less than a certain rate of wages it now acknowledged that a hundred or ten thousand working men have a right to combine in the same resolution it admitted their legal right to put this resolve into execution by way of a strike if they so think fit the law has nothing to do with the wisdom or the folly of the act it may be very unwise it may be ridiculous that is a matter for the decision of the persons concerned in it a man may be a great fool who goes to law for some unreasonable claim or to resist some well-sustained demand but the law courts are open to him all the same if he throws away his money that is his affair then to carry the exposition a little further an association of working men have a perfect legal right to endeavour to persuade other working men to adopt their views accept their resolutions and become members of their union they have a right to say that any one who does not agree to their rules shall not become or shall not remain a member of their society further and finally they have a right to say that they will not work in the same establishment with men who have acted in such a way as in their opinion to do injury to the common cause of the trade this may seem to assert a very injurious principle yet its justice is hardly to be disputed its justice never would have been disputed if the upper classes in this country and all who follow their lead had not got into the habit of regarding trade questions from the employer's point of view no one would have questioned the right of an employer to dismiss a number of workmen because they belonged to a society of communists 
many persons would think him very harsh and unreasonable but many also would hold that he was doing perfectly right and no one would say that he was acting in excess of his strict rights as an employer his arguments would be communism is a principle directly opposed to the interests of property i as a man of property cannot have men in my employ who are engaged in a purpose which i believe destructive to the interests of my class this is exactly what the trades union said of men who went in opposition to the union they said these men are acting in a manner highly injurious to the interests of our class we will not work with them their case was even better than that of the employer the employer says i have a right to turn these men out of my place they shall not work for me the union men only said we will not work with men who set themselves in opposition to the interests of the union everyone knows that there are eccentric employers here and there who make rules of various odd kinds with regard to the conditions on which they will accept the services of persons willing to work one will not employ a catholic another will not employ a unitarian a third proscribes any young man who smokes we have heard of a great establishment the proprietor of which would not employ or continue to employ any man who wore a moustache the members of the trades unions were of course fully aware of the existence of such arbitrary conditions imposed by employers it naturally seemed intolerable to them to find that they were preached at in most of the newspapers and condemned from all platforms except their own because they asserted an independence of action for themselves in matters of far greater importance to the interests of their union and their class so far as this we believe their rights are now fully admitted beyond this no sensible man among the trades unions themselves would think of asking that they should go the unions have no right to coerce or intimidate any one into agreement with them to refuse to associate with a man is a very different thing from claiming a right to molest or frighten him the more fully the rights of the trades unions are acknowledged the more energetic and fearless the law may be in preventing them from going beyond those rights we say fearless because law or those who administer it can always and only be fearless when the authority exerted is based on fairness and sound principle the men who worked most earnestly to organize and maintain the trades unions never could have had any wish that the organization should act in violation of the principles of justice civilization and public policy perhaps if the just claims and the substantial rights of the unions had been recognized long before the world might never have been shocked by the hideous revelations of crime and outrage in sheffield and in manchester no influence is more demoralizing to the character of men than to feel that the laws of a country deal unjustly with them that the laws are made by and for a class whose sympathies are not with them and that from the protection of those laws they are blindly or purposely excluded End of section seventeen